welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Uh, yeah, this image of uh, uh, it's actually just a galaxy, isn't it? In Jesus's hands, but um, and I started singing, didn't I? He's got the whole world in his hands. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's an image which represents something really quite important for me in, my in the way I see God. Um, it's a picture there, you know, he, he's kind of way bigger than the whole of creation. I mean, we know that, don't we? He kind of created it. I was looking for an image which just had a really picture of our world just right in his hand like that, uh, which was a really nice image. It's a clearer image than the one we're looking at, but... Uh, <clears throat> It kind of tells us something about God, how big he is, how inf infinite he is. And uh, it's, a, it's, it's a strange term, infinity. You know, the I don't know if you're mathematicians, but the mathematicians really have talked for decades about what the number zero means. It sounds obvious to us, doesn't it? But mathematicians really have amazing ways of even understanding what zero means. So when it comes to infinity, <laughs> It's an extraordinarily strange number, and it does weird things in mathematics. Um, and we just really struggle to have a concept of something that is infinitely without end in maybe whatever dimension you want to talk about. I mean, does God have infinite dimensions? Uh, yeah. And it really screws with our heads when we try to incorporate the idea of God's infiniteness into our understanding and certainly the way we speak. Uh, you know, we were singing that song, weren't we? He's put eternity into our hearts. He's actually put this eternity of who he is, this infiniteness of who he is as he's joined himself to us. It is actually within us. So we, we're dealing with, as a school, and I certainly have spent a lot of my Christian life grappling with the concepts of an infinite, eternal, unimaginably, unimaginably big God. Um, and strangely enough, is that saying low battery now? Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter if it goes off, because you've seen the picture anyway now. So... <clears throat> uh, you remember I was screwing with your heads yesterday and, and you know, when it would, the Bible was saying when Jesus had made purification for our sins uh, and uh, for us, and I said, we were talking about, okay, well, when did that happen? But in, in Revelations 13, the Bible says Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. The Lamb of God was slain from the foundation of the world. In other words, it, it's an event that happened in eternity way before, I mean, it, 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 in fact, it doesn't really have a reference point to actually when it happened. It, but, but, but when the plan of God actually manifests itself in our physical world, ha happens in a time scale, of course, right? It happened 2,000 years ago. But the Bible tells us it happened in eternity before the foundation of the world. And in fact, you were chosen in him, the Bible also says in him before the foundation of the world. He uses the same phraseology. So in other words, you 
we're in God's heart in eternity too. And you certainly are now as being, being united with Jesus, with what he did in dying for you. And he, he actually manifests that actually physically on the cross in his physical life on earth. But he was an, it was, it's an eternal event. So it's something really foundational about God and about us. All right, we're talking about very, very deep foundational things. Uh, and like I said, it does mess with our brains. So um, I'm only using that as a prescript. So if I get lost, it's just because my brain's scrambled. You know, if I got going, if I if, it's, if I start going off on tangents, it's just because my brain's already scrambled. And um, anyway, you just have to put up with that. <laughs> um, right, let's root it in my life. Okay. In, our, in my time scale on this planet. And I'm going to talk about when I lived in a house before my present house. I lived in a house about a mile away. And we'd, uh, there was a lady. Well, we, we, ha we were having an argument with the guy at the end of our garden. He'd built his house right up to our garden. And he'd not got permission to access our land, to maintain it, to paint his house. He wasn't allowed access onto our land. So there was a legal problem with the arrangements. So when he, he sold his house, the solicitors, the law people said, hey, can't sell your house because this is a real problem. N nobody's allowed to go over these, these people's their land to act to get to the whole side of your house. And he hadn't really even applied for planning permission many, many, many years before. 20 years before or something, but it was too late after that, so couldn't get him to knock it down. Anyway, so we had an argument and we made him pay a lot of money to us, so the lawyers then gave him the right to walk across our land. So, but he didn't like that because, you know, we made him pay us a lot of money for that. So uh, it kind of, you know, kind of made us his enemy. So when he sold the house, he sold it to a very nice lady, but very obviously, he must have told her all about this and what horrible bad people we were. So, this lady moves in to our house. And the next day after she moved in, on my driveway next to the, her house. Yeah. She moved, not into our house, no. So, so she, moved, she moved into the house next. Next, at the end of the garden. He'd sold it to her. And clearly he'd been talking to her and, well, you know, I think she was kind of thinking bad thoughts about us, probably. So the, the next day after she moved in, on my driveway, she'd thrown, it was about five feet high, big pile of rubbish on my drive. And she was clearly doing this to, to make a point. I'm not sure what point, but anyway. So, well, we thought we've we spent a lot of time sorting this out, trying to do this properly through the law and everything. And suddenly now here, this woman, on the first day, the day after she moves in, this is happening. So we talked, didn't we, Sue? And we said, what should we do? Well, I said, okay, I'll just go be very polite and ask her to move the stuff because she didn't ask for permission put her stuff on my land. 
she wasn't just access. She put, I mean, it was a, it was a huge, big pile of stuff, old stuff. In. So I went to the door and I said, hi. And this very nice lady appeared at the door. And I said, my name's Irvin and we live in this property here. And I could see her face <laughs> fell. So she knew that I was coming to complain. So I said, look, you're probably aware that we had some legal dealings with the guy who sold you this house about accessing our land. So um, it's been a difficult issue. But I said, you know, in spite of all of that, I'm happy for you to put your stuff on my land. It's not a problem. But I said, can I just say this? You should have asked me first. She just slammed the door in my face. I was standing on the door, I mean, it would have smashed my face in if I'd been two inches closer. Anyway, she just slammed it. I thought, oh no. I was really, really, really polite. You know, I, I, what I was saying was really kind, you can do it, but maybe you should have asked me first, especially given the problems we had. So I came home, didn't I? I was shaking, but I didn't, I didn't expect that reaction. So we said, right, okay. We knew what we had to do. We were good Christians. We'd read our Bibles, and the Bible says, pray for those who persecute you, you know, and, and forgive those who ill-treat you. So we went, right, okay. So we sat down, and we started blessing this woman. We didn't just say, you know, we forgive her for being a horrible, bad person or anything like that. We were just blessing her. We bless you with wealth. We bless you with health. We forgive you. We're just pouring love on you. We just did all of that stuff. You know, we're kind of shaking to begin with. But we've been doing this for how long? Five minutes? Maybe five or ten minutes. And then there's a knock on the door. So I said, ah, I'll go answer the door. Open the door. And there's this woman. And she said to me, can we have tea? <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Like nothing had happened. And uh, so we said, yeah, sure. Did she come in straight away or did we just arrange? No, I think we arranged for to go around to her house. We arranged, meal. yeah. We, and we went, uh, no, she asked us, would you like to come for tea? In other words, would you like to come for a meal? So that was amazing. So we went around for a meal. We discussed it. I don't, can't remember even whether she said sorry or not. I can't even remember that. Um, but from that moment on, we were really, really close friends. Isn't that amazing? Why am I telling you that? The reason I'm telling you that was the only thing we did was sat down and forgave her and blessed her. That's all we did. And in that process of forgiving her, something happened in her and she came around I said, can we be friends? Just by forgiving her. Next problem, next story I want to tell you is, oh, this is a talk about forgiveness, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you, you may have realized that by now. Um, and it's something got something to do with the picture on the screen, too. Um, next story, uh, my mother and my father, they're both dead now. And they're both in heaven, so 
I don't really have a problem. And I'm sure they won't mind me telling you this either. But when they, they separated, they divorced. And it was a really bad divorce. Was, they, they kind of learned to hate each other throughout their married life. So it was a bad divorce. And my mum became a Christian and I kind of started talking to her about, you know, you shouldn't really be talking about my dad in this bad way. She was kept talking about him in a bad way. And she stopped talking about him in a bad way. But he didn't become a Christian straight away and he wouldn't let it go. He kept talking about her in a really, really, really bad way until one day I got to the point where I thought, I can't take this anymore. So I said to him, I went to him and said, Dad, this woman that you keep talking about, who you're going to kill and do all these dreadful things to, I said, you talk to me about her every single time you see me, but I just want you to know this woman is my mother. And I will not allow you to speak to me about, about her in this way ever again. I said, Dad, if you cannot speak to me about her in a nice way, if you cannot stop speaking like this, I don't want you to speak to me at all. Fine. Leave then. So I left. It kind of threw me out. And I never spoke to him for a year. He, he refused to speak to me. I, I sent him a present once. Oh, he did speak to me because he phoned up just to say, don't insult me by giving me stuff. <laughs> Put the phone down. <laughs> so. It, Wednesday. It's Wednesday. It's not real. This is it. It's not a real fire alarm. Okay, fine. And he never spoke to me for a year. He just refused to speak to me because I'd said if he... Anyway. Anyway, at that time, me and Sue were youth leaders in our church and we were having a youth prayer meeting. And I just knew there was something in my heart that wasn't right. I just, I just wasn't. I was really struggling. And I couldn't get through it. And uh, Jackie, one of our church members, she's a very wise lady, I was trying to lead this prayer meeting. And she said, let's stop the meeting. And we went, what? She says, Irvin. She looked at me and said, Irvin, you're the one who needs prayer. <laughs> I said, you know, she was very bold. And uh, actually, I can feel I'm going to need a tissue at some point later. Oh, just to get one ready. Um, she said, Irvin, you're the one who needs prayer. I said, I was going to talk my way out of it, but realized, I realized there was no point. So I was like, okay, I'm sure you're right. I'm just not right. But I didn't know why I wasn't right. Um, and virtually the moment we started praying, I started getting revelation from God about my dad. Interestingly enough, it's to do with Germany as well, because he was Polish. And he got, uh, he got stolen by the German army when the war started. And he got taken into the German army and made to fight for the German army. Otherwise, they would have killed him. So it was a very, very, very difficult, difficult time for him. And God just started giving me this revelation of how trapped my father had been and 
And, and uh, I'm not going to go into any more details about that. But I spent the whole evening, God just giving me revelation and after revelation. And I just spent the whole evening forgiving him, didn't I? Oh. <laughs> oh, excuse me. It was really, really emotional, you know. I was, wow. And uh, because I'd, I'd kind of hated him up to that moment because of the, well, it was just an awful marriage. And uh, he struggled with things in an impossible way. He couldn't, he couldn't handle his past. Uh, but anyway, I just finished up forgiving him and forgiving him and forgiving him. And I finished up crying so much. I mean, there was a massive big <laughs> wet patch on her carpet. I think she probably had to change her carpet afterwards uh, because there was snot and tears and <laughs> everything on the carpet. Anyway, we finished that prayer meeting and I really truly felt that God had done something really special for me. He'd given me revelation about why my dad was like he was and suddenly I found myself wanting to forgive him. The very next morning, what time was it? It was, it was early, before work, wasn't it? Before I went to work, half seven, eight o'clock, phone rang and it was my dad. And he said, uh, can we talk? So I said, yeah, of course. So we arranged to talk. I went over to visit him. And from that point, we became really friends. It was amazing. And I just want to... Uh, the reason I'm telling you that... Sorry for... I, I cry a lot, you know, when I talk, especially when... You know, it's God's done some deep things. So you don't need to worry about me crying. Uh, you, I, you'll see me happen doing this quite a lot. Um, what broke all of that was forgiveness. So whew, you can understand why I want to talk about forgiveness. Because, and, I've, and it's not just those two episodes. Those are two of the most dramatic episodes in my life. But forgiveness has been very, very central in the, in the way God's taken my life. So coming back to this picture, and in fact, uh, the first song, what, what, what was the first song? Uh, you, that you, you would lay down your life that I might be set free. That's what Jesus did for us. What, uh, now, it's kind of obvious now because I've told you the title of my talk. But what word would you use, what word might we use to describe that action of laying his life down so we could be set free? Which words might you choose to use? I'm asking you now. This is a real question. Forgiveness is an obvious one, isn't it? Because <laughs> that's the title of the talk. But what other words might you use? I'll give you a clue. Type. Yeah, title of yesterday's talk. Grace. Love. Yeah. Those, those are the compassion. There's other words you can think of, aren't they? Grace, love, forgiveness. Those are the first three that 
that would come to my mind. And um, that, and it's interesting that both all of those words are appropriate: love and forgiveness. Laying down his life for us to completely set us free is a real act of love. Laying his life down for us to completely set us free is an act of forgiveness. It's the same thing. And the point I'm wanting to make is the forgiveness of God is his love. Forgiveness is when you look at somebody and you say, it does not matter what you've done, whatever you've done, however bad it is, whatever position you're in, I will do anything to get you back. I will do anything to make it right with you. That's love, isn't it? That's real love. That, but that's forgiveness. Love and forgiveness are the same thing. God is love. God is forgiveness. And the reason for doing this image of having God having the whole universe in his hands and talking about, you know, how the Bible teaches us. Je I mean, Jesus, when this whole concept of eternity and infinity, I mean, Jesus said, didn't he, when he was trying to, when he was talking to some people, he said, before Abraham was, I am. In other words, I exist forever. I'm kind of outside of time. I'm beyond time. I'm more than time. Time is kind of in my hand. Okay? And Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world, outside of time, in eternity. All of this sort of thing was happening outside of time, before even we were created. So the question is this. Jesus was slain in eternity before time began because he looked at us knowing what was going to be in our lives, how our lives were going to be corrupted, stained by evil, full of sin, and so on. Now, the question is, when did Jesus know that? The answer is obvious, isn't it? Before time began. And in fact, I like to see it this way. You know, I like to see creation as another image similar to the one of having eternity in his hands. It's, uh, if the whole of creation is like a book, let's say it's our planet, this is our planet, okay, in his hands. The whole of our planet is in his, what time, what time frame would we use to say it's in his hands now, isn't it? God is, God is seeing everything as in now, because Jesus says when Abraham, before Abraham was, Abraham past tense, I am, present tense, for him, for him, Everything is present tense. Everything is now. You, you get this? It really messes, does mess with your head. So the point is, here we are. This is the day that Timon was born. Ah, oh, great day. Now, this next page, this is where you are now. So for you, this page is in the... You've got to answer me now. 
this page is in the past. Okay? This page is in the future. You are on this page in the present. I'm sorry, it's really basic. But for God, what is it in? It's all the present, isn't it? So he sees you being born when? From his perspective, now. He sees all of the bad things, all of the sin and everything. He sees it now. He sees you dying here when? Now. He sees you in heaven here when? Now. He sees it all now. Okay. So Jesus being slain for you is being slain for you when? Now. Yeah. It's all now. All of it is now. And it's this nowness of God that you actually live in. Right? You live in this nowness. He, he knows you now. He knew you now. Even before you were born, he, you were in his heart in, in a now. Yeah, I want to read a psalm. I'm just trying to paint a picture for you, really. This isn't just who you were or who you were going to be. This is who you are now. And this is who God is now. From the perspective of heaven. From the perspective of eternity. Uh, Psalm 103. <laughs> I, just, I just want to read this because... The psalmist who wrote Psalm 103 kind of got something, really got it. And he says this, He does not deal with us, he does not deal with us according to our sins. That's amazing, isn't it? He doesn't requite us according to our iniquities. In other words, he's not paying us back for the things we do. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love to those who fear him, right? In other words, his, it's just unmeasurable, his love for us. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sin, our transgressions from us. He's just done that. But we know when, we know when he did it. He did it in eternity. Right? He did it before the foundation of the world. He's doing it now. It's, it's all, it, we don't have the words to describe what's happening in eternity. We just don't have the language. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we're dust. So, I mean, God knows. That, 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 that's an amazing, tender picture. Because from God in, his, in, in the heavenly perspective, he's creating us. He's creating the world now. He's creating Adam now. He, the, the, whole, the whole of the story of mankind, the real dreadful troubles 
that mankind is in, it's all now. And God knows that we created from dust, or if it was it stardust, if you, if you believe the scientists, you know, the, the, you know, all created from stardust, whatever, you know, whichever, whichever view you want to take. But nevertheless, nevertheless, God's doing it and making it all now. And all this sin thing now. And God, God you see, the problem, God, God kind of has a problem, you know. He's got men and women that he's creating now. And guess what? They're all sinning now. And in, in his, as he's seeing them and creating them, so, he, so he's, he's, he's being slain for us now in eternity. Or then, before time began, whichever words you want to use. There's something so very, very deep and foundational about the whole of creation and about the love of God which says, I'm seeing this happening. I know this is happening. You know, I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving these people eternity in their heart and free will, and I know what they're doing with it. I know what they're doing with their free will, and so somehow this is God's problem, because He's creating this stuff and it's happening now, and He knows He knows the corruption that He's built in, not that He's built that that is somehow built into the whole. He even created the devil. Did He create the devil? Yeah, and He's creating the devil. Now, from, an, from an, an eternal perspective, he's seeing what the devil's doing now. So the question is this, I'm not talking about fault here. But who is responsible for the whole of creation? I'm sorry, it's just such an obvious answer, isn't it? You don't even need to answer. And so therefore, who is going to take responsibility for what's happening in creation as it develops in our time scale. Who is going to take responsibility for what he, know, what he sees happening? It's God. It, 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 it's all part of his plan before time began. Jesus was not a second thought. We've heard this many times, haven't we? You've heard many sermons about this. Oh, you know, sort of God made everything great. And then, oh, Adam loused it up. Or the devil loused it up, the devil fell or something. And then, and then Adam got caught up with all that. And oh, then man sort of really screwed it up. But God sees all of that as a now. From his perspective, it's all now. And so it's not a, oh, you know, they've blown it. I've got to, I'm going to have to come. I'm going to have to send Jesus now to sort it out. That sorting out happened from the foundation of the world. Deep, deep, deep. And the psalmist saw this. He does not deal with us as our sins deserve. He's a father. He knows what we're made of. He knows we're made of dust. He knows all of this. And the Lamb of God is slain before the foundation of the world because of all of this. Deep, 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 deep in the heart of God is his forgiveness, his love, which says, I am going to do everything I can to bring 
these people to me and establish a relationship with them. His love, the establishment of a relationship with us is 100% the same thing as forgiveness. Does this all make sense? And interestingly, Jesus said, this forgiveness belongs to you. <laughs> it's amazing. Have you read John 7.38? There, in John 7.38 is a story of the feast. Was it the Feast of Tabernacles? And at the end of this feast, they enact a story. And it's the same story that you find in Ezekiel 47. In Ezekiel 47, there God gives Ezekiel a picture of a temple, a heavenly temple. And from this temple is a river of water flowing out. And on either side of the river are trees of life, bringing life. This is flowing from the temple. You can see the picture. It's flowing from the heart of God. He, he's, bring, he's, he's pouring out life. Right? And it says, and there are, on either side of the river, there are trees of life. Well, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Where do you, hear the first he Where do you first hear about trees of life? Or a tree of life? Yeah, Genesis 3. Right there, right at the beginning of creation. The tree of life. And, and, and here in Ezekiel 47, Ezekiel 47 is talking about this river of life flowing out from the temple and trees of life which give life to the nations. The leaves are for healing and the, and the fruit is for feeding the nations. It's a wonderful, wonderful picture. But in John uh, chapter 7, he comes at the end of a, uh, a, a holiday, a feast, where they're enacting this very prophecy in the temple. And the priest pours out water in the temple to represent what's happening in Ezekiel 47, because they represent that the whole of our life comes from God. So he pours this out, the priest pours it out, and, uh, and they recite Ezekiel 47. Jesus is outside of, the, outside of the temple here, and he's talking, and he says, let's read it. John 7, 38. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and proclaimed, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me. Jesus is saying, this is what it is all about. The, tr the rivers of life running through the Garden of Eden. The tree of life in the Garden of Eden, and Ezekiel talks about it. The rivers of life running out from the temple out of the heart of God. The trees of life. And Jesus, and, and they're doing this in the temple. And Jesus says, if anybody is thirsty, wants this water of life, let him come to me. <laughs> wow, Jesus is reinterpreting the whole of this history. He's saying it's all about me. All right? Let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart 
will flow rivers of living water. Jesus said, whoever is in me, whoever believes in me, out of his heart, these very rivers of living water will flow. Jesus is saying, this is all about me. And guess what? Who is in you? We read this yesterday. Who are you totally united with? You are totally united with Jesus. Therefore, out of your hearts, because this living water, this love of God, this life of God flows from Him to give life to the world. Guess what? This life is in you. This is who you are. It's n this is not just something you do. This is who you are. This is your, this is your very identity, right? God is living in you. You are the love of God. You are the forgiveness of God. That's who you are. It's not something you do. It's who you are. It's the very life of God inside of you, flowing out of you, giving life to the world. It's cool, isn't it? Did you realize you were that important? <laughs> Maybe you did. Uh, there's a very difficult scripture, actually. And again, it comes in later, John 20. I like looking at difficult scriptures. Because, you know, sometimes when you look at difficult scriptures, you can really, you have to start digging. And you think, oh, I really don't understand this. I can't, this, this doesn't feel right. Why is it in the Bible? And then you dig and you dig and you dig and then suddenly something hits you from heaven and suddenly it makes sense. And this kind of happens in this one for me. Anyway, John 20. This is Jesus. He's, he's been crucified and he's come back to life. And he said, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then his disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Oh, it sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Then his disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Now, is this surprising? Because guess what? You are the love of God. You are the forgiveness of God. This is in God's heart from the foundation of the world. His love and His forgiveness, which is restoring and setting free. This is who Jesus is. Guess what? This is who you are. Is it surprising that He says, as the Father sends me, so I send you? Amazing. And then He says, this is, this is a really... Well, no, this bit, the first bit isn't too bad. He says, and when he said this, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And that's amazing, isn't it? The whole of the sharing of the wholeness of the Trinity of God being shared with us. Wow, mamma mia. That's amazing. And it says after that, now this is the really hard bit. It again, right? In verse 23, it says, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. 
God is saying, I'm, 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 I'm giving to you my role of forgiving the world. You're participating with me. You're partaking with me in this act of forgiveness. Isn't that just amazing? And then, but this is the difficult bit, isn't it? He says, and if you retain the sins of anybody, in other words, if you choose not to forgive them, they're not forgiven. Now, man, that is a hard verse. How do you work that one out? I thought Jesus did forgive everybody before the foundation of the world. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world for the sins of the whole world. And here Jesus is saying, if you don't do it, they're not forgiven. What? What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. It says he has given us this astonishing privilege because even though it is basically is, is painting a theoretical picture, even if it were possible for God to not forgive, it is in fact God who forgives. So if God does not forgive people, they're not forgiven, okay? Theoretically, it might be possible. I don't think so, but it's, but I mean, why is Jesus saying this? Because I think he's wanting to understand that although he's given a theoretical possibility that God might not forgive sins, he's saying, if you don't forgive sins, they're not forgiven. It's never ever gonna happen because he did it from the foundation of the world. So guess what? Your place in this world is to be the forgiveness of God. Isn't that amazing? That's, that, that we, elsewhere in scripture it talks about us being the ambassadors of God, okay? the ambassadors of God. Paul talks about being an ambassador of God, uh, presenting the gospel on behalf of God, bringing the love of God. When God has already poured out his love and his works were finished from the foundation of the world and we are invited to participate in all of that. It is an incredible identity that he has given us participating in that forgiveness of the whole world. Oh, blows me away. It just blows me away. Anyway, where do we go from here? What time is it? Half eleven. Um, I was going to give another example, but I won't because I've run out of time. It is possible for us to not forgive people. That's a strange thing. Because I've, I've, I've really talked about how God has already done this. He's already forgiven the whole world. And his, his forgiveness transforms people and brings them back into relationship. And he's inviting us, he in, he's invited us and given us the privilege of participating in this. That's who we are. But I suppose it can be useful to look at 
What's the opposite of forgiveness? Make a word up. I don't actually know if there is such a word, but it's a word we use. Unforgiveness. <laughs> I don't think it's actually in the, in, the, in the dictionary, that word. I think you can get unforgivingness, but unforgiveness is a word we've kind of just made up. But it's a useful word. And I wonder where unforgiveness comes from. Because what, what is unforgiveness saying? Let's say Rebecca has done something really bad to me. She didn't ask me to teach this school or something. And <coughs> oh, oh, whatever, you know, anyway. Let's say somebody does something bad to me. Unforgiveness says, firstly, you've done something bad. Second, it says, that hurt me. Third, it says, you deserve to be punished for that. Fourth, it says, I am going to punish, I'm going to be part of that punishment because I'm not going to talk to you again. She might think that's actually not a punishment. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I'm going to punish you by not talking to you again. I'm going to punish you by hating you. I'm going to punish you by not giving you something. I'm going to punish you by not helping you when you need help. Unforgiveness does that, doesn't it? Now, I, we talked a bit uh, before about the Garden of Eden, didn't we? And it's interesting that the Garden of Eden and the Ezekiel 47 and Jesus in John 7 talks about these rivers of life and the trees of life doesn't say anything about other trees in Ezekiel and John it doesn't but in the garden there is a tree that doesn't get talked about in these other two things you know the tree the tree of do you know what it can I sorry I'm sorry for keeping asking you questions it's like Sunday school isn't it yeah, of course, you, you might not be able to know it in English. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, the point is this. God has placed that tree in the garden. We could talk for a long time as to why did God do that. Why on earth have a tree of the knowledge of good and evil when it was such a bad thing to get involved in eating off? Why did he put it there? So that's a big, long discussion. <laughs> and the truth is, we all know, don't we, the difference between right and wrong. We all kind of have that knowledge of what is goodness and what is not goodness. And the truth is, that Garden of Eden still lives within us. Uh, and that knowledge is truly in the heart of God. He planted it there. But the question is, did he want us to eat its fruit? What is the fruit of knowing good, what's right and what's wrong? Uh, we've just talked about it. She does something to me, which is wrong. I know it's wrong. 
I don't like it because it's wrong. And I want her to make her pay the price for being wrong. That's what unforgiveness is. Now the point is this, the trees in Ezekiel and in Revelation, it's there in Revelation as well. At the end of Revelation, the same picture, the trees of the river of life and the trees of life. Read the last chapter of the book of Revelation. It's there as well. Throughout our, our whole human life. But there's only, the, at the end, in the book of Revelation, there's only the trees of life. Not the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that's the case in Ezekiel as well. The point is this, God, God wants us to participate and engage with and feed from and feed others with the fruit of the tree of life. Does that make sense? Yeah. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we've just got to decide whether we're going to eat that tree, eat the fruit from that tree. We know what it is, and the truth is we all know what the fruit of that tree is, don't we? Unless you're, unless you're amazing people, I guess you know what the fruit of that tree is. Making other people pay for what they've done. Making them want to suffer. That's what unforgiveness is. And the thing is, unforgiveness always rehearses something. Do you know the word rehearses? You kind of play in your mind over and over and over again. Right? That knowledge of the fact that she has done a bad thing, she is now a bad person, my mind is going to play over and over again the thing she did to prove that to me. She hurt me. I'm going to keep remembering the bad thing that she did. That's what unforgiveness does. It keeps... It keeps rehearsing it, it keeps going over and over again. The thing that she did goes over and over again on the pain. And you remember this picture of these strongholds I pointed yesterday? We, this, this is like a stronghold in our life as well. So, let's say she's my mum now. And she is really never got time for me. Okay, another, 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 yeah, another, she's never got time for me, so she's hurt me in that way. That pain, she's not got time for me, it, remember, it, we said yesterday, it produces lies. She's not got time for me because I'm worthless. She's not got time for me because she doesn't love me. This is, the, this is the processing of a child. She's, she doesn't love me because what? Because I'm not lovable. I'm not a lovable person. And so we build these strongholds of lies. But the lies is all to do with how we see our identity. And the walls around them are all this pain. The, she hurt me, right? She deserved to be punished. And, so it, and it goes on and on and on like a record. It doesn't stop, keeps playing. That's what unforgiveness is. And what is forgiveness? 
and we know what it is. Jesus came to give it to us. He gave it to us before the foundation of the world. It's the fruit of the tree of life which says, here's my life. I'm just washing you constantly with this river of life. I will do anything to make you clean, constantly washing you, constantly in this river, constantly washing every bad thing. And any time a bad thing comes on you, the river washes it away. It's like a constant flow. That's what his forgiveness is. He says, I will do anything to bring you back into a relationship with me. It yearns for reconciliation. It's, it is the love of God. It's, uh, and what happens then when, when the, that love and that forgiveness knocks down the walls of the lies and the pain, which is what it does. That's what it does. It, 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 it washes and cleans the lies and the pain as, as we allow it to flow. Forgiveness is a flow. It's, as I say, it's not just an act that you do. It is the flow of the love of God. It is the love of God. It is God himself. It is who you are, just flowing. Washes away the pain and the lies, and it allows his truth. It, 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 it just allows them. These, when these strongholds disappear, it allows the truth of who he says you are. It allows the truth of who he says he is to then land in your heart because the strongholds have disappeared. Anyway, I think that probably do. Um, what forgiveness isn't, forgive, there's, there's a couple of, actually it's useful, a useful little thing to know. Forgiveness is not pretending that something bad hasn't happened. Because if she did a bad thing to me, guess what? She did. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I, uh, it, it's a fact. It's one of those facts, right? I might think it represents a deeper truth that she doesn't love me or I'm not lovable. But that's not the truth. It's just a fact. So forgiveness isn't pretending that the facts haven't happened. And it's not pretending that they didn't hurt. And it doesn't even mean that you have actually. You don't have to like the person. I get the feeling, however, as, as we just allow love to flow and keep flowing, that you probably will finish up liking them. But you know, that's something you just wait and see if it happens. Our job is to just play our part in letting this flow and this love of God flow from us, through us letting the forgiveness of God flow through us. I think that's it. Usually when people talk about forgiveness, they use the parable of the unforgiving servant. Do you know that one? Where there's a servant owes his master a very large amount of money. And then uh, the servant also has somebody under him and he owes him a small amount of money. Well, the servant, uh, goes, who owes a lot of money, goes to the master and says, oh, please forgive me. And the, and the master says, yeah, I forgive you. I'll let you off. I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes 
to keep in relationship with you. He forgives him. The servant, however, the, the guy under him, owes him only a small amount. And the guy comes to him and says, oh, please forgive me. He says, ah, ah, I'm not forgiving you. You have to pay the price. Puts him in jail. But what happens then? The master comes to the servant who was forgiven. And he says, look what I did to you. I, I forgave you it all and you didn't forgive him anything. And, the, and then he throws him in jail. Now, some people like to be very legalistic about this and think God's going to be like that. But that's not the point of this story that Jesus is making. The point of the G that Jesus is making is unforgiveness in the heart of the servant was like this stronghold. It was, it was his own jail. The unforgiveness itself is a prison. And he won't get out until he learns to let the forgiveness of love of God flow. So Jesus has said, unless you forgive your brother from your heart, you'll stay in jail until you've paid the last penny. You remember the story? Jesus is talking, he's, he's saying, on, only by forgiving and, and allowing the, that forgiveness to flow will your heart be free. Will you be able to f function with a free heart? That's, that's the whole point of that story. That's what God does for us. It's your privilege to share in that, in the whole of the world. Thank you for listening to the Destiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.